0: All right, welcome back to the Washington Football Team Declassified Podcast. I am your host, L.E. As usual, we got Eric in the building. Eric, say what's up? What's up, party people? All right, we got a special guest in the house, too. We got the all-time sack leader for indoor flag football, Brian Yaws. Yaws, say what's up. What's up? The leader in physical tackles for flag football. <laughs> yeah, I'll they say. said no bull rushing. I didn't hear them. <laughs> and, of course, we got the infamous— Washington football team podcaster, Douglas McCray. The What's up? Fellas, thanks for having me on. I'm excited. And he goes by Big Doug. Hey, Doug, tell them where they can find you.
2: Uh, at Big Doug Show on Twitter, the Big Douglas Show on YouTube, and all other uh, podcast sites. So Big Doug Show, pretty much everywhere. The Big Douglas Show, did that for my mom. It's funny because I did that for my mom. You know, she loves calling me Douglas, but nobody else does that. So I thought it sounded classy for her, but Big, <laughs> Big Doug on the show. Got to
0: class it up a little bit. I like it. Yaus, where can they find you at, bro? Uh,
3: Twitter, if you want to. Modest Yaus or at Modest yas I guess.
1: Cool. Hey, Eric, where can they find you at, sir? Twitter also, at uh, etrod42, 42. I need to add some more numbers on the end of that to make it... <laughs> got to confuse the people again yeah I need to confuse people with 17 numbers after my name. all right and
0: if you are not subscribed to this podcast which a lot of you already are make sure you take time subscribe listen like leave reviews check it out because we're doing fun stuff over here tonight we're going to answer some burning questions for the Washington football team heading into the 2021-2022 season since you're the normal host here Eric I'm gonna start with you man so We got some news today that uh, from JP family said, it looks like AGG is going to make the team this year. Not a final result, but he seems to be in the know a little bit, man. Um, Do you feel like AGG can possibly overtake Cam Sims on the depth chart?
1: I mean, why not? Cam Sims is, is what he is. He's a special teams. That's his, should be his primary role. He was kind of forced into some more action previously, especially last year. Um, He's, OK, he's pretty good at, zo- at beating zone coverage. He's, he seems like he's got a good feel for uh, for finding kind of the hole and sitting down against man coverage. He's just he's not good um, from th- thus far from what I've seen from AGG. He's basically the same guy. Uh, AGG being Antonio Gandy-Golden, by the way, uh, for those of you not in the in the acronym, no. Um, I don't see. I don't see – they're basically the same guy if you plug them into the offense, as far as I'm concerned. Neither of them is really much of a separator. They're both big guys. Neither is really fast. Um, they both kind of do the same thing. I think Sims is a special teams guy, which gives him the edge a little bit. But if they're both on the team, it's kind of redundant, in my opinion, um, and you can kind of sub them out for each other. But I think you're looking at, you know, wide receivers five and six either way. As far as who's five and who's six, I don't really care. Um, if, you know, any of them's pressed into, like – a larger amount of duty um we've seen what Sims can do it's it's okay you probably get the same thing out of Gandy Golden I guess Golden Gandy Golden's got a little bit more upside so uh in in three or four years time if they're both still on the team Gandy Golden probably overtakes him what about you Doug what do you think
2: well they've given Cam Sims like basically wide receiver three minutes and I understand that's because Samuels is out but I think the thing to always remember about the new coaching staff is Rob Rivera gives people opportunities. If you take those opportunities, he'll give you more opportunities. And I really feel like that's all Cam Sims has done. I mean, he's played inside the slot, outside, and really is taking all – and to your point, Eric, I mean, the fact that he plays the teams is huge. So, I don't know. I think they're higher on Cam Sims. And, again, they're, they're big on rewarding guys for playing well.
0: Yeah, the thing I like to keep in context is Kim Sims. This is like his fourth year, right, with the team. And overall, his production has been pretty minimal. I mean, with, outside of last year. I know injuries have been a factor in that, but that kind of matters in the grand scheme of things. ADG is a little bit more improving, so he gets a little bit more of a shot. Yeah, so I'm going to switch it up for you a little bit. Do you even care about the battle between AGG and Kim Sims?
3: Uh, No. Uh, I think that... <laughs> I think for depth, it's nice, and it's always good to have someone on special teams that can contribute both ways. But I told you coming into the season, I'm excited about Samuel's, uh, Diami Brown, and uh, our number one wide receiver. And I don't really care about anything other than that. Uh, I don't. I haven't seen us run four wide receiver sets that often. They seem to like put in the tight end and a lot of loaded backfield. So I don't know that we're really going to see that big of a difference between if it's Cam Sims or Gandy Golden, unless Gandy Golden starts living up to some of the hype uh, that he got in preseason when we first drafted him.
0: Yeah. And I think you're right. Yeah. If we win, it's going to be because of the running game, you know, not because we're trotting out every wide receiver we have on the bench out there at the same time trying to make plays. But um, speaking of running game, Doug, we saw everybody's all hype about Patterson this preseason and rightfully so. I mean, he's done some exciting things on the on the field. Um, You know, we've seen this before with running backs, Eric's favorite, Lake Seastrunk. We have Marcus (laughs) Mason, you know, guys like that. But um, do you think that Patterson's potential rise impacts J.D. McKissick's uh, time on the field or the impact he can make this year?
2: I don't. Not this year. I mean, J.D.'s in there because he's a a really good blocker. That's why they got him on third downs most of the time. I showed what he did last year, Eighty receptions, I think, which is insane to think about. The one thing I'll say about Patterson is different than the rest of the group. When we had uh, Jalen Morgan on, I guess his brother went to school with Patterson and he, he, I think he compared him to a fire hydrant. (laughs) So it's really the only guy that we have on the roster that is an actual running back. That's what he is, a running back. The other two that you're leaning on were both receivers that, that you're trying to teach how to play running back. So there's a difference, and, and I think there's room for Patterson. I've kind of been on this Patterson ends up being RB3 by the time the, you know it's all said and done. I don't think he eats into McKissick's minutes. I think they have something very specific for McKissick.
0: Yeah, Eric, yeah, you
1: agree with that? I do. I think um, the next Walter Payton, uh, Jared Patterson, is <laughs> uh, going to be Gibson's primary backup but I don't think he affects McKissick's role specifically very much at all. I think if, if uh, Antonio Gibson were to go down, you'd see Patterson as it stands right now would be the guy to pick up those carries. Um, as it, you know, if, no, if nothing goes wrong with, with Antonio Gibson, um, I think you see a very limited role for Patterson kind of probably what Peyton Barber brought is, is probably the, the closer, which I don't actually uh, know that Peyton Barber gets cut. the team because I'm I can see them easily keeping four running backs you may not see the field but um I think that Jared Patterson probably affects Peyton Barber more than McKissick I think McKissick's got a very defined role and uh, I don't think Patterson touches that so well, well,
2: and real quick I'm sorry Barber probably can make it through the practice squad too like I I think Barber's got a better chance of making it through waivers than Patterson does
1: yeah I mean generally in in years past um Correct me if I'm wrong. You you generally have four running backs on the roster. Three of them are active on game day and one is inactive. And I think Barbers probably goes to that inactive role if he if he were to make the team. Um, I think Patterson probably just based on the minutes they're getting in preseason, Patterson has probably already overtaken him. Here's why
0: I phrase this question this way, too, because you're right in a traditional sense he would impact Barber more than he would impact McKissick. But I just think that we're going to see more of it. Uh, A.G. Gibson on third down this year, because last year he wasn't involved in third down passing at all. I think if they're going to expand his role, that's where it's going to be. So potentially McKissick's going to be impacted by that already. Now for the carries that McKissick got, and I think he averaged like four yards a, a carry mm-hmm. last year. Um, Patterson could even do that too. Of course, I agree with you. Barber's probably still around. Yaus, have you gotten on the hype train of Patterson yet?
3: I'm all on. I'm on board. I might be leading uh, <laughs> the whole train, right? Um, but I'm way less born than you guys are on the depth of it. I just like that he's the exact opposite size of uh, Gibson. I like that. I like the shiftiness in small spaces, and I think it'd be a nice change of pace. But you got. I think just, like uh, a lot of motions and a lot of uh, backs on the field.
1: Yeah. We need to uh, maybe just chill on the comparisons for Patterson just a hair. I just, I want to be like comparing him to like Darren Sproles is you're a little premature with that. Yeah. My comparison for him and y'all, you guys might not like it, but this guy had a really nice NFL career is still rock Cartwright At this point, yeah. um, Cartwright Was very good in the preseason, especially early in his career. He looked a lot like what we're seeing out of, um, out of uh, Walter Payton 2.0. <laughs> um, so no, I, I, I do like Patterson a lot. I like, I, I like him more than I liked him coming out of college. Just from from what I've seen, I was kind of excited to see him a little intrigued, but I wasn't expecting much. Um, he has looked pretty good this preseason. He has already overtaken Lake strunk as far as preseason <laughs> darling goes. Uh, like, I think he can legitimately have a career in the NFL. And like I, I thought about that guy. Um, but, yeah, I think we're 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 a little bit we're just getting a little ahead of ourselves with some of the comparisons we're seeing at this point.
0: Yeah. And you got, I mean, the, the preseason is the preseason for a reason. You don't see the complex defense that you're going to see in the regular season. Teams aren't going to scheme to stop what you're doing. So slow down a little bit. Let's see it week one, week two, and then we'll talk about who's going to take whose role. Um, But a guy that probably should be on uh, the edge of this is Dustin Hopkins. He's been hit or miss in the preseason. He had some struggles early last year. Um, Doug, how many games do you think he gets to prove himself this year before we move on?
2: I, I, I guess the whole thing. I mean, I don't even know where to start with the Dustin Hopkins thing because when asked Ron Rivera, and he's actually been pretty good about telling you really what he thinks and, and some of the truths, I just don't think they're interested. I, I think the fact that he's got a really good kickoff leg, if you will, is more important than, than the field goals. And I, I'm not really sure I understand how that works, but – Anytime I ever hear about competition for the kicker, you hear Rivera say, well, he's really good on kickoffs. So I don't know.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Eric, how many games has he got this year?
1: I don't see his job in jeopardy. I think if it was, they would have brought somebody in already. Um, There's no competition in camp for him. I think they're really just – hoping that he works out the kinks with the new long snapper and the timing and all that good stuff. Um, the kicks were better last week. Every The whole process looked a little better last week, so we'll progress. I don't think he's in any any danger at this point, though. I, I can't say I'm 100% on board with that philosophy, but from the outside looking in, it doesn't look like he's in any sort of danger at all.
2: Eric, it was interesting to hear them talk about the fact that they had so many reps with Sunbird. I mean, thousands and thousands of reps, and they just don't have it with the cheese man. Uh, exactly. And I didn't really think about that as a as a possible like realistic problem for them, but they all seem to say that it does.
1: So. Yeah, and when we saw the thing that really tipped me off was it wasn't so much Hopkins struggles, but Tress had a, kind of a rough outing his first preseason game too. And Tress doesn't mess up, um, no. and you see him sidestepping for kicks. And it's it's not necessarily that Cheeseman isn't a great long snapper; it's just that he's different. And so they're so used to they know exactly what to expect from Sunberg, and that muscle memory is still there. So Cheeseman may not put it there at the same. He may put it there faster. It, it, it may be a, a you know a reaction thing, or he may put it a little slower. May not put it in the exact same spot. And it's just stuff they got to get used to. It's not necessarily that he's bad. There's, he's just new. Just different, yeah. Yes. Why hasn't Rivera cut him already? <laughs> <laughs> I
3: can't answer that, but I think from a team perspective, if you consider how our offense typically scores. Uh, kicker and their field goal accuracy should be viewed as a pretty high priority since we're not. I mean, yeah, Fitz puts it together, we could be up by multiple touchdowns, but it seems like last year, if we're gonna be a defense first team, then we need to count on field goals going in. Um, so hopefully he starts viewing as a higher percentage.
0: Yeah, I hope so too, man. You mentioned Fitz as a millennial. Give me the millennial perspective here. How many games are we giving Fitz before we pull him if he
3: struggles? me or rivera you you're the millennial. Uh, well us washington millennial fans we <laughs> still think taylor heineke is the truth um i'm not sure i'm <laughs> one of them but uh it's very typical redskins to be like no no the guy behind the guy uh i'd say probably four games before people start calling for heineke and it's just hard because he did so well in that playoff game even though they didn't win um that there's some credence to give heineke a chance i don't see much difference between the two of them though yeah doug you agree with that uh nah I, I mean, this would have to be awful
2: uh to put in heineke and i actually like heineke a little bit i think it's funny i'm the record saying this if you're a red wolves fan you're probably also a taylor heineke <laughs> fan they just kind of go together uh so take that what you will but Listen, they brought in Fitzpatrick. If they liked, think about this, if they really liked Heineke better, then they didn't have to go out and get Fitz on the first day of free agency. You know what I mean? Like, they didn't even wait 48 hours to say to the kid, you know, don't worry about it, beef up, bulk up, and it's, the job's yours. No. They went out and tried to give assets for Stafford, missed out on that, and then paid Magic instantly. So... I think you have to be terrible. And the thing is, I just really I don't see it. I, I've heard you guys talk about it before and, and Eric, I kind of know where you stand on fits a little bit, I think. But I really think that, you know, they this is not going to be a run first offense. I'll put it like that. I think a lot of people think that. I don't believe that at all. I think they plan on pumping the ball down the field a bunch. And that's what the kids the guy's good at. So I think Fitz has got a long leash, a real long one.
0: That that hurts my heart to hear you say that because I think the key for us, and we'll get to this in a little while, is is the ground game, you know. But, Eric, how many games is Fitz getting this year before he gets pulled?
1: Yeah, I'm kind of with Doug. I think he's got a pretty long leash. Um, Heineke is – Heineke's – Proven himself to me and I was I was a little bit more in the hive before the preseason started and it's not that he's played poorly, but I see things from Heineke that a defensive coordinator is going to eat alive if he gets extended time like there. I mean, I'm just a novice fan and I can tell that like if he starts rolling left, he's going to run he's not going to throw it if you throw if he rolls right he's probably going to throw it. Um, and if I see that as somebody who, you know, was a pretty pretty awesome high school football player. Um <laughs> somebody who actually knows more about football than I do is going to figure it out really quickly so I don't think Heineke's the threat there what I'm curious to see is if they hang on to Kyle Allen he's going to be lurking there and he may be the guy that that if if Fitz really stinks it up he may jump Heineke on the depth chart and actually get some extended action because I think he's got I don't think very highly of him either honestly as a quarterback but I think he's got more staying power than he's got a little bit more to his game than what Taylor Heineke has. Uh, Taylor Heineke is very like run around, throw it. And I think he's a perfect, he could be a perfect backup quarterback because he can just wreck a game plan if he has to come in. But if you need somebody to prep for the week and start, I think you may go Kyle Allen on that. But I agree with Doug. I think Fitz is really going to have to stink. However, Fitz has a history of really stinking. So <laughs> we'll see. He's going to have a couple. I mean, I just put it down. He's going to have a couple of dog games this year, and I think they're going to have to roll through it. But uh, I think he's still got a pretty long leash. And it will be interesting to see what he does with a legit running game because he's really never had that in his career.
0: Yeah, I don't want to hear those excuses, Eric. But I think um, I think <laughs> we're gonna, we are certainly going to find out how long his leash is because you're right. I mean, he historically struggles. I expect him to struggle at times this year. We'll see what Rivera's patience is in this situation. I think the thing that'll give him a little bit longer, at least to maybe what he should have, is what else can you do, right? Like if you go to Heineke in week six and then you figure out that he can't play or he gets hurt, he's not a full-time starter. Where do you go from there? Because Kyle Allen, we have seen what he's got a little bit, right? He can play a little bit sometimes, but they're kind of all the same quarterback in a lot of ways, right? Like, you're going to get a couple good games. And then after that, it's a crapshoot. You don't know what's going to happen. So I just, if we had somebody else back there, like a potential young starter, then maybe his leash would be a little bit shorter, but because there's just a bunch of fits and, and fits minors out there. I don't, I don't know what the point would be of pulling the guy just to get similar results from somebody else. So I'll, but I'll, to put a number on it, I'll give him seven weeks. If he's really struggling through seven weeks, I think they have to do something different because they'll ultimately end up wasting an entire season of the defense being where it's at. So, But
1: is that seven weeks of consistently struggling? Because he's not going to consistently struggle for seven weeks. He's going to be really up and down. If he has three bad games in those seven weeks, I think they look at
0: doing something different. That's my opinion. Just because... they
2: have have to be two and four there to yank them? Or three and four there to yank them? I mean, that's... You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of the thing where you'd be mediocre.
1: Well... Yeah, it's going to depend on what the rest of the division looks like, too. It's going to be similar to last year. If the rest of the division's three and four... Which it probably will be, you may stick with them a little longer.
2: Well, well, and with seventeen games, do the division games matter as much?
0: Yeah, I think
2: so. five
1: in a row at the end of the year definitely yeah.
2: does. Right. Well, just because you need be wins at the end of the year, but yeah, yeah. I, I guess I'm just saying like it's not like it used to be when you had five teams in the division and winning the division got you a whole lot of games. For sure, you've got more out of conference games now, right? Because of the seventeenth,
0: you do. Here's a, but the thing to answer your question, man. I think. You know, with with Fitz and how other teams are doing, I agree. Like it depends on what the Cowboys, the Giants, Eagles are doing, whether or not he gets pulled. But I think, you know, when we get into this season, last year we had Alex Smith and people t- and myself included tend to downplay him taking care of the football and how much that mattered. the defense to not put them in bad situations right i we don't have that this year we have quarterbacks that will put our defense in bad situations in an attempt to make plays down the field so it's going to be different i don't think the record matters as a matter of fact if we're better i think that might lead to a shorter lease. i know that sounds kind of contradictory but think about this if we're if we manage to stay let's say four and three despite mediocre quarterback play, but our defense is killing it, right? At that point, that tells you that the offense is really holding us back from being, you know, five and two, six and one at that point. So then do you see if you have a spark coming off the bench? Again, I would feel more confident about that opinion if we had something more, you know, uh, something more to look forward to
1: coming off the bench. But I think- You just described exactly what the Dolphins did to Fitzpatrick last year. They benched him at four and three. And uh, yeah, so they completely- crapped away their season by doing that so uh we'll see
3: if we don't have Tua I mean like like you said Lawrence we got Taylor there's no I was gonna say there's no bright light behind Fitzpatrick that we want to try out to see if maybe they'd be the future next year yeah
0: for sure all right Doug give me your biggest your single biggest key to winning this year for this team
2: oh I mean I guess I mean the easy answer is Fitzpatrick right but I really kind of think it's Scott Turner. I mean, we need to see him be the guy that they say he is, and frankly, that the national guys tell us that they believe he is—that he's a a good play caller—and that we're going to see. You know, you were talking about the the turnovers, and I remember when Alex, you know, Smith was there in Kansas City. They made that move because Mahomes is not afraid to throw an interception because he knows he can come back on the next play and throw a touchdown. Now, I'm not saying Fitzpatrick is. Mahomes, and I'm not saying that Scott Turner is Andy Reid, but I really do think being aggressive on offense. Imagine that defense starting with a ten-point lead. You know, what I mean, how many times did we have that last year? So, I really think this is a huge year for Scott Turner in the offensive play calling. I agree.
0: Yeah, what's yeah. your biggest key?
3: Um, I, I mean, it's obvious. I'd say defense, although maintaining the consistency that they showed last year, as we talked about. This episode, you know, there's so much, there's so many questions on the offensive side. It's pretty assumed that the defense is going to stay consistent, but weird things can happen. So I would say defense staying consistent. All right,
1: Eric, what you got? Yeah, I think scoring points, regardless <laughs> of who is, regardless of who is at quarterback, um, scoring points is going to be important because you're not going to face seven backup quarterbacks again this year. That's who we got our wins against. Or, you know five backup quarterbacks and two guys that were staking up the joint you're not going to get that this year you got to put points on the board because you can't rely on the defense to hold a team to 17 points and if you're in if you're scoring more points you're probably going to end up giving up more points because you're you're hitting on big plays the defense is on the field a little bit more um so you gotta you gotta get 27 28 points um Consistently to really have success this year, because I just don't think you're going to have many 17-13 games with Fitzpatrick uh, under center, yeah, or and, Heineke. And, and Eric, you and I kind of went through this before, but you know our
0: defense was giving up 30 points a game when we played decent <laughs> quarterbacks last year. We really made a lot of our hay on defense when we played Ben DiNucci. Yep. guys like that so to me my biggest takeaway is this defense has to prove that it is what it is so similar to yours Yoss, we, you know we we fed off of really weak opponents last year we probably won't get that opportunity Dak's not going to miss both games this year um, so we have to prove that we can run with the big dogs on defense and if we can do that I think we can survive on offense because Eric I'm with you I, I don't feel like it's an automatic guarantee that we're going to score 28 points just because we have Fitz and we added Samuel I think you know this offense might be somewhere near 22 23 points a game is that enough it will be if our defense comes to play against a good teams as well this year so um doug you mentioned scott turner what does he need to show you this year to convince you that he's the long-term answer at OC?
2: well i i think your 22 24 points would be low so i mean he's just got to show creativity he's got to show that he can use the pieces that they went out and got i mean they they believe they got a lot of these pieces because turner said hey listen that's kind of what we want to do here the offense is proven i mean you go back and look at those old charger stuff that his dad ran i mean the offense is not exactly like that but it's similar and, and it works it puts up big points and and you're in the league last year they scored 41 points against that bad dallas team you were talking about 30 points none not one time last year did they score 30 points You you just can't. That's not how football works anymore. Even Nick Saban gave up on the idea that a good defense holds a team to 21 points. No, you got to score more than the other team. So he's just got to be inventive. The league is full of young innovators. There's no reason he can't be that. He has all the tools necessary to do it. Five quarterbacks he used last year. So tough to know what he was trying to accomplish last year when they just every time that you thought they had something going. Kyle Allen played good for two games and then got hurt. You know, I don't, I don't even know if they won those games, but you could start to see the offense and the direction by the time they got to Tampa Bay, Scott Turner was doing really interesting things with the offense. So that that's all just, I mean, he's got to, he's got to show that he's the guy to do it. And that, that's by scoring points.
0: Yeah. I, Tampa Bay is interesting because I think Heineke created a lot of that stuff on his own with his mobility, you know, that led to a lot of the points that we scored. I, I'm not the biggest Scott Turner in the, uh, fan, full disclosure, but uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, what does he got do to do to win you over this year?
3: Uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, pretty straightforward points. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see how he utilizes uh, three wide receiver sets. If we start doing that, we're seeing how he integrates the new tight end. Um, Logan Thomas has been consistent, but with the packages they seem to run, we're going to need a second tight end as a threat as well. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, scoreboard is going to show whether or not we want to you know, keep him and value him.
1: Yeah. Eric, what do you got? Good start would be not calling a reverse at the 18-yard line (laughs) on either side. You can do that. That's my biggest gripe with Scott Turner. Um, Doug mentioned his dad. I don't think he's his dad yet because Norv was a very – say what you will about him as a head coach, but he's a very good play caller on offense. I haven't seen that from Scott so much because Scott seems to be just – at times, just kind of picking plays out of the air, going, "Hey, this will work," and throwing something out there, where you know Norv you would see kind of you know he would use the run, he would he would pass first and use the pass to set up the run. He had you know plays that looked very similar to each other, but weren't. He would do a lot of fun things um, as far as like, uh, just completely lost my train of thought. Sorry, um, he you know he would set up he would set you could see him setting things up and you could see the results of things that worked earlier or didn't quite work earlier but you could see it and it would work later because of what he did earlier and i don't I haven't seen that with scott turner as much at this point he seems to still be kind of just calling plays and not Running an offense, I guess, is the best way to put it. And I could be reading a little bit too much into that, but you know, he just some of his he he did some he had some real head scratchers last year. Some of the stuff he was doing, and he would just kind of go away from things that weren't that were working, and he would just try things at random. And that he's got to stop that, or if he does that, it's got to work. That's the main thing. So I just would like to see more consistency out of him. See kind of see where he's going and what he's doing.
0: Yeah, and hopefully that can all be chalked up to just maturation as an offensive coordinator. I mean, he's still, he's still a painter right now. We want to see him become an artist. Um, for me, he just has to show me that he believes in running the football. That's all I need to see. There were times last year, especially through the first four weeks, where you know we'd have third and short, and he's throwing the ball. You know, Especially like Haskins was starting. There were just some really curious times where we had opportunities to run the ball, and he just wanted to throw the ball. And I don't know if that was just to test Haskins to see if he could do it, but in this league and in this division, you win by running the football. To me, still, you know, the, the, the Buccaneers did it, you know, all the way through the season last year. And it's it's still something that I think we should prioritize as an offense. I know as an offensive coordinator, it's cute to throw the ball. It's cute to get cute on third and short because you could potentially go for it on fourth down. I just want to see a commitment to the run. If he shows me that he still believes in the run, then he's got my vote as offensive coordinator. Um, Doug, is there anything that you absolutely need to see happen from this team this year? Oh, um,
2: I think we're just looking for consistency. You know, I'd I just like to be able to build on what they did last year. As long as they're not going backwards, uh, to your point, they faced a lot of bad quarterbacks last year. They're not going to do that this year. It is a murder's row of quarterbacks through the season. So as long as everybody is consistent and and showing progress, I really think that's kind of what you're looking for. It's what I've noticed so far in the preseason. The games have been clean from a penalty standpoint. I don't don't think the offensive line has got a penalty yet. So I think as long as what he's – get reminded all the time, this is year two of a rebuild. It just didn't feel like that because of the quote-unquote success last year. But, you know, it really was still a 7 and the seven win team. So I don't just consistency and looking like they're heading in the right direction is what I need to see.
0: All right. I like it. Yeah. What about you?
3: Um, I agree with the consistency. I think that we're going to face uh, some difficulties coming up in the next few, well, what, three or four years uh, when Chase Young re-signing starts popping up on the radar. Um, so we, I think we either succeed or we, we fail hard so that we can line a cornerback up. I know that's dramatic, but considering that we don't really seem to have any future on our team right now, um, I'd like to get someone in there that we can go grow quickly with, convince Chase Young that it's worth staying with us. Um, so boom or bust, I guess. All right. And Eric, what's something you need to see happen this year?
1: I want play playoff. Uh, make the playoffs again. Uh, The last, uh, well, every time, every year since um, Daniel Snyder purchased the team, every time they've made the playoffs, they've completely crapped all over themselves the following year. They've just had horrible follow-ups to playoffs. So Mm -hmm. a real step in the right direction is to see them build on last year's playoff uh, appearance with another playoff appearance. I'd like to see a strong season that ends in the playoffs or Super Bowl, but a step in the right direction would be back-to-back playoff seasons, which is something we have not seen since 1991 and 92, uh, which you guys probably weren't even born yet. Me and me and Doug remember those, but uh, yeah, you guys, it, it is a thing that actually can't happen to this team. I promise you.
0: Hey, we were here. We were here. Doug, if we if we go, I don't know. We're, we're consistent, but we fall short of the playoffs. Are you still satisfied at the end of the year?
2: Well, I'm with Eric. I mean, obviously, we'd love to get a playoff win but losses are funny right so if the team plays well and they lose on a last minute field goal let's say or a fumble that's late and you and you miss out or listen one of the, the division first of all i think the division is going to be way better than, than people expect it to be that that giants defense is really good yeah. the cowboys are going to score a ton of points now the eagles i don't see too much of when you look at that roster so I don't know. It's hard to know because it's hard to know how the the losses come. What if, what if you lose to Kansas city by six, you know, what if if you go up to Buffalo and and lose by a field goal and you end up with the record that you didn't want? Does that, is it a bad season? Or did you, did you play really hard against some really good teams and it didn't come out in your favor? So it's tough to, to be able to judge it that way because you don't really have context to put it to. So Again, that's why I kind of thought consistency was the easiest way, because if they're playing their guts out every time and the ball doesn't bounce their way a couple of times, then it's tough.
1: Yeah. I, I, I that tends it tends to balance itself out, though. If you're playing, if you're losing close games to teams like Kansas City and Buffalo, you're probably going to be in pretty good shape. And it's hard. To, it's if you're losing if you're losing games like that every week, then there's something wrong with what you're doing. Yeah. Um, so a couple of close losses you can live with. But you just you, you really don't want to see a 500 or sub 500 season at this point. Or I don't want to see that because it's just it would be really frustrating for me. So
0: that that's your thing you don't want to see happen this year is a 500 or sub 500 season.
1: Yeah, oh. I don't want to see I don't want to see them. I especially don't want to see another like 3 and 14 year or something like that oh, which God. tends to happen after this oh. team makes the playoffs. I don't think it will because the coaching is is so much better. The the whole organization is so much more solid than it was when they would just make the playoffs and just go insane the next year or you know they'd be all in for week 1 or some nonsense. Um you know, the closest thing we got was that year after the Jay Gruden year where they made the playoffs and then they were like eight, seven and one and Kirk crap all over himself in that last game to, to miss out on the playoffs. I don't want to see that again. I would really like to see this team get back to the playoffs to really show that they are building something and not just treading water.
0: Yeah. I feel you on that. Yaus. What's the one thing you can't, you don't want to see happen this year.
1: Uh,
3: Injuries at key positions. I think if we lose Gibson again this year, uh, during the season, we're going to be in a tight spot. And if we lose anybody at linebacker where we're already, in my opinion, somewhat thin, I think it really cripples us. Um, that's kind of my – it's a little immediate, not the end of the season, but that's my perspective.
0: Right. Doug, what do you got?
3: All
2: right, I'm with Yelsa on this one because watching these preseason games reminded me that we're really top-heavy. And they've got a lot of depth that I think they're encouraged by. I mean, the team's like the third youngest team in the league. So it's understandable that you don't have like powerhouse behind, but the depth really is not great in the secondary. I don't even know who the backup middle linebacker is at this point. I mean, there's no linebacker depth. So that's, I mean, injuries are important as far as that goes. I mean, they're always important, but we don't have a ton of depth when it comes to that stuff. So, that, that is that. that that's where they're still working on the roster to me, is the depth.
0: Yeah, I just want to see questions answered. I don't want us to go through this whole season. And we're still asking ourselves, do we need to address the quarterback position next year? That answer is yes for me right now. But I don't want us to play mediocre and there's still some possibility, oh, should Heineke start next year? I want us to just rip the Band-Aid off, whatever the outcome is this year. If we're going to ride with Fitz for another season, let's know that by the end of the season instead of still asking our questions. If we're going to go- Well,
2: and Lawrence, they they gave up two easy opportunities for quarterback this year too. Yeah. I mean, the Bears did not give up a ton to get fields. And I don't think it would have cost a ton to get up over New England. Now, Jam and Davis might be great. But if those two quarterbacks turn out great and this team doesn't do well, you know, Ron's been pretty good, but that would be a huge miss.
0: Absolutely. And, and think about it too, because now you're going into year three of his tenure here. And I think, you know, we assume he has a five or a six year deal. So you're either going into close to the 50% or 50% mark for his whole tenure here. And we, and quarterbacks have been in a question the entire time That's, that you got, at some point you have to solve that long-term and you're right whatever the outcome of these quarterbacks this year from this draft class are always going to be a part of his legacy here because we did have opportunity to go up and get them. So, um, you know, for their, for the quarterback's sake, I hope they do well. Cause I'm not the type of person that roots against players. But for our sake, it'd be better if they were just kind of mad, you know, so we have to debate about it all the time. Um, you guys mentioned linebacker. I want to get out of here on this question. Doug, Kaliki Hudson, we haven't heard a lot about him this year. I think going into the preseason and the offseason, there was some excitement that maybe he's going to step up and be somebody we can count on in some way. Do you think he even makes a team at this point?
2: Well, he definitely makes the team. I know they're really high on him. At least they were. I'm with you. I was super excited about him. I had been told that the team was really excited about him and what they what he offered to the defense uh, kind of in that will linebacker role. Uh, he's not been great through the first two games and that's playing against what, you know, theoretically are backups. Yeah. So I don't think he has shown them nearly what they were hoping to see. Uh, but again, an athletic freak that I think is quasi learning a new position More was that viper nickel role I think at Michigan, so there may be a little bit of adjustment there if they're asking him to actually play will in the box more. Uh, But I've been surprised that he hasn't flashed a little bit more because I know they're really high on him.
0: Yeah, Yaus Kaliki Hudson, you getting his jersey or no?
3: Kaliki who? Um, I don't know. I don't know much about him. Uh, I was looking up stats. Uh, He has one tackle and uh maybe that is that both games I don't know his stats aren't very high um like I said with the injury depth uh in our depth discussion I'm up for anybody starting to flash for our linebackers it's been a a position that we suffered at last year and the year before so anybody that steps up and maybe it helps out if uh Davis starts figuring it out at middle linebacker I'm in full support of him now that I know that he exists
0: Eric, what about you, man?
1: Yeah, click. I don't know. I don't know what the expectations really were realistic for him to really take off. He's an undersized linebacker. He's a little too slow to play like full time safety. He's a little too small to be a full time linebacker. I think you know as a what fifth or sixth round pick that he was last year. I think your best hope for him really is like a situational player who can play special teams. And I think that's what he showed he was last year. I think you're probably going to see that this year. I don't think he has – I think he makes the roster um, just based on – he's he's pretty versatile and he's been pretty good on special teams. So I don't think he's in danger of being cut, but I just don't know why anyone really has high expectations of him in general. He's never really shown me to be – shown to me to be really that special of a player other than, you know, he's he can – if you find the right role for him, he can do well. And I think they have – they will find the right role for him. And I think he will be on the team this year.
0: He kind of reminds me of the Troy Apke pick because Troy Apke was what a third round pick, fourth round pick or something like that. I yeah, fourth. Know. I think Kaliki was a fourth round pick as well, but it was kind of like, why are we taking this guy? Cause Apke was a safety at Penn state, but he wasn't really heralded much. And it was like, Oh, what's well, a special teams pick. But you know, he's, he's been not as impactful as you'd like him to be. Same thing with Kaliki Hudson. His stats from last year, how many tackles did he have on special teams last year? I think it was like one or something like that. I think I looked it up early on the offseason. I could be wrong about that. But the point being, if you take a guy in the fourth round for special teams, you want to get Cam Sims level play out of that guy on special teams, right? But he's really not producing at that type of level. So what value is he bringing for the value you gave up to bring him here? You know what I mean? So there's no return on investment at this point. So I I don't know what the ties to Kaliki Hudson are for this organization, other than maybe just justifying your pick. I would love to see him do something. He's what we hate on this show. Not him personally, but just his profile. He's a tweener. Right. He doesn't have a single position. and It's hard to define yourself in the NFL if you don't have elite talent as a tweener. That is an almost an impossible mission in this league. People like to compare him to the guy from um, the Cardinals, right? Was it uh, Buddha Baker? I can't Buda remember. Baker. And and then uh, the guy from the Chiefs, uh, Tyrone Matthew, right? But he doesn't have what they have. At least we have not seen that yet. So at some point, Hudson much like Cam Sims is going to have to show something to justify him being here and playing for this team. He can't just keep getting passes because he was a fourth round pick or because of his potential potential gets coaches fired. That's what they used to say in the nineties, right? Since we were born. Right. Yes. But you know, what, what is it that you're going to get out of this guy? I think he has to answer that question this year, or I think he doesn't get another shot next year. I would not be surprised if he's not on the team this year, the teams with him every day in practice, What are they seeing in practice to make them hopeful about him? Maybe he's shown in a practice. It just doesn't translate to the game yet. But at some point it has to, we got to move on. This is a game of talent. It's also a game of results. If You don't have results. then The talent doesn't matter in the story, right? Fellas, thank you for answering the burning questions.